we want to share three very important words that will help you as you deal with difficult Bible passages. I don't know. Welcome to Working with the Word, a weekly podcast designed to equip you with the skills and confidence for deeper daily Bible study. I'm Jeff O'Rear. And I'm Emerson Brown. Thank you for tuning into our 42nd episode of Working with the Word. Today, we introduce a new Working with the Word series. A few months ago, we received a Facebook message from one of our listeners, Jeff. He said, if you're looking for ideas on future episodes, how about doing a series on dealing with difficult passages? You could even crowdsource the questions and passages from the audience. So that's what we're going to be doing from time to time. We'll be looking and addressing the issue of dealing with difficult passages. I wanted to shout out Sam from Texas and JD from Indiana for already sending in some questions and ideas for this series. As we've talked before in our own conversations and our conversations with folks that we've interviewed, the important fact that we can understand the message of the Bible. We might think about Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 4, where Paul says, When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. That's a point we want to continue to promote and to encourage you with, as you read and study your Bibles, as you look to know God and His will. Along with that, we do have to admit, though, there are just some strange things in the Bible. I think about Abraham's servant confirming this promise to Abraham about finding a wife for Isaac by putting his hand under Abraham's thigh in Genesis 24. There's lots of weird visions that go back to back. I'm looking at you, book of Zechariah. I think about Paul talking about baptism for the dead and fighting different beasts in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul specifically blames Satan for hindering his plans to visit the Thessalonians again. What's that about? How did Satan hinder Paul's plan? We have to, again, admit, sometimes we encounter things in our Bible that are difficult to understand. Not impossible to understand, but maybe difficult to understand. Maybe we're presented with a view of Scripture that's new to us and maybe even contradicts ideas that we've heard before. Maybe it's because there are things going on historically that we're just not familiar with. Maybe it's just something that we just don't have the knowledge or context to understand what's happening in a particular passage. Whatever the reason, we want to consider how to approach these difficult passages in Scripture. Maybe in the past we've just skipped over those questions, pretending they're not there. or Maybe we've seemed to accumulate so many questions about the Bible we decide to give up on trying to understand any of the Bible. We don't promote those paths on this program. We want to know how to approach these difficult passages so that we can grow closer to the Lord. So, where do we start? We want to share three very important words that will help you as you begin to deal with difficult Bible passages. I don't know. Learning to say those three words can be a great thing that will help us. Sometimes you just have to say, I don't know. Understand that that can be a good thing that pushes us to seek and to try to find those answers. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. So understand that as we talk about this idea of admitting, I don't know, sometimes as we read or study our Bibles, that means that we understand that right now, but we don't want to make that our continual point. Yeah, I, I think, you know, just thinking about those three words, I don't know, I, I have a lot more respect for someone who is willing to say that and be honest, I don't know the answer to this question right now, 
than someone who, who tries to grasp for straws to explain something, but they really don't know what they're talking about. I think that's a sign of a good Bible student. It sounds strange to say, I don't know, when we're studying our Bibles on one level, because after all, we're striving for knowledge. We're studying our Bibles to know, but sometimes we don't know, and let's just be honest and admit that. And so, yeah, it's, it's good for us to say, I don't, I don't know. At least I don't know right now. And, and I'm going to push forward. I'm going to continue to, to seek and understand this passage, try to understand this passage. But you can't really do that unless you first say, I don't know. That's right. I think it's important to remember an illustration that Mark Roberts used in our interview with him. He talked about how the word is described as a seed by the Lord in parable of the sower, like in Mark chapter 4, verse 14. I think he talked about how the, the word is a seed, not a lightning bolt. You know, we think about the word is a seed, not microwave rice. You know, that takes time for that seed to <laughs> grow. You know, you just stick the microwave rice in the microwave and you just put on 60 seconds and then it's done. But it's probably going to take more than 60 seconds for some of these things that we're considering and thinking about, especially some of these I don't know situations that we want to come to know more about. I think about maybe the illustration of Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14. There are some passages that are going to be meat passages, and meat is just harder to digest than milk is. And so sometimes we'll have to chew on things longer, and it might just be more difficult to digest. Uh, just thinking about that illustration and using some of that analogy from Scripture. We finally want to say in the introduction of all of this relating to I don't know, sometimes I don't know is just as far as we can get. Like you said, we're seeking knowledge, and so it's weird sometimes to think about having to admit that we don't know things about Scripture because we're wanting to understand and know things about God or know things about His people or His plan. But the Bible says in Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. There might be other things through the rest of Scripture that we have questions about, and just realistically, that's as far as we're going to get. And we have to understand that with our human limitations and human wisdom— that's as far as we're going to be, and understand what we do have, though, and what we do understand is what God has revealed for us to be what we need in order to know Him and know how to serve Him. So we understand that there are some times that we don't know passages or we have difficult passages that we encounter. What are some dangers with some of these passages as we encounter them? Maybe some ways we can struggle with them in a, in a negative way. Yeah, I think one of the first things that comes to mind is just not asking questions to begin with. One of the things that was commendable about Jesus's 12 disciples as they were with him is, is that they a lot of times said, I don't know, and they were willing to come back to Jesus. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells a lot of parables, and he talks about in that chapter that to some, these things are hidden, the meaning is obscured because their hearts are hardened. But that doesn't describe the disciples in uh, Matthew 13, verse 36, um, his disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. And so one of the things that should characterize us disciples, followers of Jesus, is saying, Lord, I need more help in this. I need some explanation here. And so a lot of times we might read a passage that's hard, and we might say, okay, I'm just, I'm not going to understand that ever. So just kind of skip over it, move on to something that's easier. If there's something we don't understand, hey, let's let's take a let's take a minute to stop and think about that. And you know, it's comforting that 
There's a passage in 2 Peter chapter 3 where the Apostle Peter himself says some scriptures are hard to understand. <laughs> 2 Peter 3.16, he writes, He, speaking of Paul, speaks about these things in all his letters. There are some matters that are hard to understand. The untaught and unstable will twist them to their own destruction, as they also do the rest of the scriptures. That's the Christian Standard Bible. And when I read that, it's comforting to me because, you know, Peter was a fisherman, but he was also a really bright guy. And he had an honest heart. And even then, he said, some of the things that Paul writes, I I don't understand. Some scriptures are just difficult. And when you think about that, it shouldn't be a surprise because we're talking about an all-knowing, all-wise God. Um, It's God who we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So we shouldn't come to the Bible thinking everything's going to be just really watered down, easy for me to digest. Some things may be simple, straightforward, pretty frank. Other things we have to chew on a little bit, kind of like what you're talking about with the meat. Mm-hmm. And so I think looking at Second Peter 3.16 helps us understand that some things are hard to understand. But I think there's another point to take from, from this verse. As he goes on to talk about the untaught and the unstable distort these scriptures and the rest of the scriptures, what that should tell us is that there is a danger in these difficult passages to, to assume that we can just make them mean whatever we want them to mean, yeah. if, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. The point is that all Scripture, even the difficult ones, has a knowable meaning. Just because some Scripture may be difficult doesn't mean we can do whatever we want to with it. He, he talks about the untaught and unstable distort. We need to be trained, we need to be stabilized by the easier portions of Scripture before we can tackle the difficult ones, and I think that's an important principle. You know, you don't feed a toddler meat or steak <laughs> until they have first developed, they have grown off of the milk. Yeah. And uh, I suppose we should say, as we're introducing this difficult passage series, that we're not, like, we're not saying we've got all the answers to these difficult passages. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Jeff and I have talked about how even some of the difficult texts that we're going to be tackling they're real head scratchers, and, and they're ones that really challenge us. And so we're not saying we've got all the answers to this, but it's important that we are able to talk about these things and at least that we at least tackle them. And this goes back to Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Let's accurately handle the word of truth. Let's, let's do our very best to see what's there, to study it in context, to, so that we can make sure that we're properly handling it. And sometimes it's important that we're able to say, I don't know what this means, but I know what it doesn't mean. I think that's that's valid sometimes. Sometimes mm-hmm. that may be a cop-out, but sometimes that's valid. Before we can know what it means, we, we can eliminate some things as not viable options. I think about an example of that in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. It's a passage that Peter compares baptism to the flood of Noah, and he says that baptism now saves you. And I've read explanations of that, particularly the part that it says, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience. I've read explanations of that, that basically, at the end of the day, the conclusion is, baptism doesn't save you. (laughs) Yeah. And if there's a difficult passage, and we work through it, and the final conclusion directly contradicts the passage itself, we can eliminate that 
as, as an option. And so sometimes we have to be able to say, I don't know what this means, but I sure can say this is what it doesn't mean. And so the goal when handling difficult passages is just to keep working uh, to get closer to the original meaning than we are now. We may never reach that point where we have perfect understanding, but just that process of, of seeking and studying and going back to it over and over again and comparing it with other scriptures, that takes us closer to the meaning. And I think we grow in that process, whether we have a final answer at the end of the day or not. And so, you know, there are things that are hard to understand, some things we don't know, but at the same time, it's helpful for us to understand what we do know and remind ourselves of what we do know before going into a passage we don't know what it means. Yeah, the, the point that Emerson is making with, with that statement is, as we come to things that are maybe difficult to understand, that doesn't change everything else that we know to be absolutely true about the Bible as a whole. And so we're not maybe talking about just that that one thing. We're talking about Scripture as a whole, there are things that we know to be true. Just because all of a sudden we come to a passage in 1 Peter 3, or in Acts 19, or in the book of Job, or in Ezekiel, or Corinthians, or wherever, as we come to these, it's not like all of a sudden these other principles of the Bible just fly out the window. So we want to take a couple minutes just to think about what we do know. These are tips or helps to for us to be grounded in, as I come to these difficult passages, these will remind me of things to be true, to help me as I'm looking to try to understand or make sense of the whole story still with all of this. Uh, Gene Taylor has a, a lesson packet on hermeneutics, the idea of how to study the Bible, I think is one way to define hermeneutics. And in that material, particularly lessons one and lessons three, he talks about just the basic principles we need to understand about the Bible and then basic attitudes that we need to have as we approach our reading and studying of God's Word. And so these are things that I've heard other places as well. I think he's organized them very well in that particular material. And those are just some of those things that have popped out to me as being very important things to, again, acknowledge what we do know 100% these things to be true, and that helps us as we are going to encounter some difficult things. The very first thing he talks about is the fact that God has spoken. If we understand that principle, we think about Genesis 1, how God created the heavens and the earth, and how he spoke all these things into existence. We think about 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, that through his breath, he has inspired the scriptures to be profitable for us in these different ways so that we would be complete and able to be righteous to do his work. All those things need to go back to that idea, that key point that God has spoken. And we need to remember that even as we come to these difficult points, it is God who is speaking to us. And, and the fact that God has spoken assumes that we can listen and that he wants us to listen and that he expects us to listen. Mm -hmm. And so whether or not we get what he says the first time, the fact that he is speaking to us ought to humble us and remind us of, oh, I need to open my ears and I need to seek to understand. That's right, absolutely. The second thing we want to remind ourselves that we do know is that God's Word is true. Psalm 119, verse 160, the psalmist there talks about in that passage how the Word is truth. I don't have my Bible open to that passage right there, but I remember that being in there. Maybe I'll, either I'll get to it or Emerson will help me out. The sum, this is Psalm 119, 160, the sum of your Word is truth. 
and every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. So again, there, the sum of your word is truth. We can trust that the completion, the whole picture of your word is going to be true. The whole picture of the Bible, that what was it, like almost 20 or more episodes we spent at the beginning of this year talking about the whole story. All of that is still true about God's plan, what he's trying to accomplish. God's word is true. Thirdly, we need to understand, and we do know, I guess not we need to understand, we know that God's word is complete and infallible. Now, that's a bold claim to make. That's a bold claim that no work of man can make, to say that something is completely without error. But again, we're talking about this powerful, all-knowing, wise, amazing God. Since God, a perfect being, is the author of Scripture, his word will never contain error. As it is sourced from a perfect being, it will not contain error. And that leads into the a point similar to that, our fourth point, that Scripture will not contradict itself. We tell ourselves that, we hear that, and that's a point that's made again in, in Brother Taylor's material. We need to remind ourselves that there may be times we're reading things and think, this sounds like it's opposite to what I'm hearing, what I know about from another place. So how does that gel together? Some people, that blows up, or they just never look to try to see how does this fit together. Understand that God, being a perfect being, is not going to have inconsistencies in his word. Yeah, and so when we are put in that situation, we need to realize that the problem is not with Scripture itself. The problem is with my understanding of Scripture. You know, the, the problem is with me and my, my fallibility. If Scripture is infallible, we are fallible. And so a lot of times when we come across what looks like a contradiction, we may automatically assume that the problem is with God and his word, but it's not. It, it's rather with us. And that's kind of goes back to that point about, hey, we're talking about God here, <laughs> a God who is all wise and is able to communicate to us in a way that is consistent with himself. He is truth. So yeah, scripture will not contradict itself. Emerson, you're saying that I'm not a perfect person? You're saying I'm going to have to like come with the humility. Hey, I'm not saying you know. that. The scripture says that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's the, and like you said, that's the point. And that's absolutely true. We have to understand that we have false made limits. As much as we might hide those from ourselves from time to time, we have to say that's 100% true, and that's always good to remember. Something that Emerson mentioned a moment ago, and our final point under this, what we do know and these things that will help us as we encounter difficult passages, is again, when encountering these quote-unquote more difficult sections of scripture, we want to let the quote-unquote clearer passages help explain what's going on. So we'll, as we close out later, we'll give a preview of what we'll be talking about with passages related to the series going forward, but I'll talk about what we'll be covering in our next episode related to this. Our first difficult passage is going to be my suggestion, at least one of my suggestions. I have many suggestions of things <laughs> that I feel like I don't have a, a really good greater solid understanding. One of them for me is in Acts chapter 19. What's up with these guys getting re-baptized? That may not even be a great phrase for what's, as we're talking about what's going on there. Maybe you've heard of that before. Someone has gotten re-baptized. They feel like they were baptized for the wrong reason, so they've been baptized again. I don't think that's a one-to-one ratio here about what's going on in Acts chapter 19 as Paul is speaking to some of these men. And I think that's part of why I struggle with this passage is as I look at what's going on in Acts chapter 19, 
Not many people today are going around proclaiming, I've been baptized in John's baptism, not in Jesus' baptism. And so there's something there that I recognize of, I think I'm just not, I guess like Emerson was mentioning, I guess I don't have all the answers. I'm not perfect. I have lack there that I don't understand. It's not God's word is, is necessarily the problem, or God's word is definitely not the problem. So as I'm thinking about this passage in Acts chapter 19, and as we'll record our episode to hopefully talk about that, and we'll discuss that and look to try to find some answers, some of the questions I'm asking are, what's the big difference between John's baptism and Jesus' baptism? There's this mention of the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit have to do with this section? So as we look at these, and as these questions stick with me, and I'm looking at and examining the text, hopefully something I'll do is to answer these questions by our next episode that we release. And something that Emerson mentioned in our, you know, starting to already somewhat brainstorm something about that particular section is thinking about the book of Acts as a whole and looking at those topics, looking at how is baptism talked about? How is the Holy Spirit talked about in this book itself? And seeing what does the book of Acts have to say about these things rather than all of a sudden start thinking weird things about baptism being rebaptized or new things about the Holy Spirit, think, okay, there are all these other chapters in this book, and many of them are going to address those particular issues. What do they have to say? Are there some clear sections in there that I can say, oh, I see what is the main difference, or what's the problem going on where Paul feels he needs to instruct these men and does need to, quote-unquote, rebaptize them? So rather than just thinking, well, this is weird every time I read Acts 19, like I do pretty much all the time right now, Hopefully, as I examine some of these clear passages about the topics, I'll have a better understanding about these verses. So again, things that we do know that will help us as we look at these difficult passages. Number one, God has spoken. Number two, God's word is true. Number three, the Bible is complete and infallible. Number four, scripture will not contradict itself. Number five, when encountering those more difficult passages, let the clear passages help explain. As we remember those things, it be an encouragement to us as we look to to get more into God's Word with these passages we may feel like we're ready to shy away from, saying that we'll grow more if we dig into these things. And when we look at the Bible itself, it gives us a lot of advice and examples on how to handle difficult passages. The Bible actually helps us understand the Bible. In Acts chapter 17, I'm going to borrow this from Doy Moyer, who has talked about this before and has helped me see in Acts 17, there's kind of a paradigm for how we judge the truthfulness of what we're hearing or what we're, what we're studying. And there's three examples of people who are faced with the truth of the gospel here in Acts 17. Uh, there's the Thessalonians at the beginning of the chapter. Later on, Paul goes to Athens, and he preaches the gospel there at the Areopagus. But right in the middle, you have the Bereans in verse 11. And you you see how they handle the truth and and how they judge the truthfulness of what it is, and three different responses to it. The Thessalonians rejected the gospel because it wasn't what they were used to hearing. In verse 5, it says that the Jews becoming jealous and taking along some wicked men from the marketplace, they formed a mob and set the city in an uproar. The problem there with the Jews was Paul taught something that was different than what they were expecting or wanted to hear. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we may be the same way. We we reject something just because it doesn't jive with our traditions or something that we're not accustomed to. It's not the old thing. And so they rejected truth 
because of that reason. But secondly, you've got the Athenians. And uh, as Paul goes into the city, he sees all these idols, and it says that his spirit was provoked within him. And in verse 21, Luke includes kind of this parenthetical statement. Now all the Athenians and the strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. Mm-hmm. And so the way they judged whether something was true or not is, hey, is it new? Is it something we've never heard before? They were eager to hear anything that was new. And I don't think Luke meant that as a compliment, necessarily. <laughs> These people were, were always wanting to have their ears tickled. They're just kind of going after anything that sounded new or exciting, has some novel idea to it. And what they end up doing is rejecting what Paul says about Jesus and his resurrection. That's not the way we want to be either. Anytime we find something that is new and exciting, you know, it really energizes us. But sometimes we have to take a step back and say, okay, it's energizing, but is it actually based in truth? But right in the middle, we've got these Bereans in verse 11. It says, Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. That's where we want to be. These Bereans were noble-minded. They didn't put up a wall because their prejudices were being challenged. They didn't just dump their minds out and you know accept anything that was new, but rather they examined the scriptures daily to test its truth. And so you've got these three questions of how we need to judge the truthfulness. Is it old? Is it new? Or is it true? And we, we want to judge the truthfulness of something based upon that last question, is it true? Truth should be our goal when we're handling difficult passages. It's not about trying to justify our preconceived ideas, and it's not about trying to discover something novel that may fuel our pride, that may feel make us feel like, oh, I'm, I'm really smart here because I've found something that nobody else has. That's not the goal either. The goal is to seek truth. And as we go through these difficult passages, hopefully we'll be able to kind of model what that looks like as we challenge each other and challenge ourselves. That's what we are ultimately about, seeking God's truth so that we may know Him better. So as we're quickly wrapping up this episode, our challenge to you is very practical and going to be very helpful for us in continuing this series. We want you to send us your difficult passages you want us to talk about. Now again, as Emerson mentioned, we're not guaranteeing we're going to answer all of your specific questions. We're going to find everything, every nook and cranny from that. But we're going to do our best to try to say, here are some things that either Emerson and I have struggled with, some passages that are difficult for us as we're trying to understand them properly and looking for the truth. There may be some passages for you. You can send those to us, again, on our Facebook or Instagram or Twitter You can send us an email, all the contact information we always put at the end, but we want you all to send us your difficult passages that we can continue to try to help each other in our growing of knowledge of Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning into Working with the Word today. Next week, we will put what we've talked about today into action as we tackle our first difficult passage, Acts chapter 19. Until then, if there are questions or topics or books of the Bible you would like us to cover in future episodes of Working with the Word, you can find and reach out to us on Facebook and Twitter at Working with the Word, on Instagram at workingwiththeword.podcast, or send us an email to workingwiththewordpodcast at gmail.com. All one word, workingwiththewordpodcast at gmail.com. 
So until next time, may you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. One of the things that was commendable, tried to figure out how to cut around so there's that, there's that weird math problem in there. <laughs> hey, we're preachers. We're not good at math. <laughs> That's the blooper right there. <laughs>